licentiate Suarez to uh, Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24, verse 1. Let us hear God's word. And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and rose up early in the morning, and built an altar under the hill, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings, and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood, and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord hath said will we do, and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people, and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand, also they saw God, and did eat and drink. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount, and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone, and a law, and commandments, which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us, until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, And the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. In this chapter, there is an end of receiving legislation for Israel to Moses, and he's directed by the Lord to bring this covenant down to the people for their hearing and to receive their solemn consent to it. The covenant was to receive official ratification, if you will, among the people. The people here were to enter formally and solemnly into covenant membership. The chapter begins with the Lord giving instructions to Moses for this end. Verse 1, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. Now, Nadab and Abihu, you may recall from Exodus chapter 6 that uh, they're Aaron's two eldest sons. 
and they will join Aaron in Exodus 28 in the office of priest by God's special calling. All together with Aaron and these 70 elders of Israel, they will be a representative of the whole of Israel, a whole of the church at that time, about to enter into a solemn covenant ceremony before the Lord. But Moses, right, is distinguished uniquely from them, right? On the one end, you have the people of Israel. Next is the assembly of Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders. Then is Moses, who in verse 2, alone shall come near the Lord, who alone is to ascend into the mount with God. But before this is to occur, Moses, in verse 3, came and told the people all the words of the Lord. Moses was faithful to deliver every item of the Lord's word, the whole counsel of God which he received. And upon hearing all the words of the Lord, the people respond with one voice, that they will follow all the words told to them. Now it may be wondered, right, when you read this, what were the people exactly affirming? Was, were they consenting to obey perfectly? Did they really think, right, they could measure up to every jot and tittle of the law that was required of them? Was this a covenant of works that they are consenting to? And the answer, as some of you may expect, no, it was not. First, notice the context of things in previous places where such an affirmation of the people is made, such as in Exodus 19, where we've heard before, or Deuteronomy 5.22, which happens to take place in the same time as Exodus 20. The context is always that of a redeemed people making such an affirmation to follow the Lord. But secondly, notice here in our chapter what immediately follows their affirmation, right? What follows verse 3. You have in verse 4, there's a book of the covenant written, an altar built with 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes. You have in verse 5, sacrifices of burnt offering and peace offerings are offered up unto the Lord. You have in verse 6, the blood of the sacrifices is taken. Half is sprinkled on the altar and the other half on the blood of the spring, is sprinkled upon the people. And then in verse 8, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you according uh, concerning all these words. So if all this were a covenant of works, right? if, it all, if this is all just legal carnal, carnal obedience, what need would there have been for an altar? right? For the killing of animals, for sacrifices of burnt and peace offerings, for sprinkling of blood upon the altar or sprinkling upon the people. Hebrews 9.23 says that these things were patterns. They were figures, signs, right, of things in the heavens. And so far as they were patterns and figures of heavenly things, they should be purified with them. That is, of earthy or fleshly things, such as goats and calves and so on. But in the heavenly things themselves, they should be purified with better sacrifices than these. And what is that? Well, that is with the body, blood, soul, and work of Christ. And so in our chapter, when the people said, all the words which the Lord hath said, we will do. It was not a committing themselves to a covenant of works, but covenant membership in the administration of that one covenant of grace. An administration that still had many outward, earthy, and shadowy ceremonies to prefigure and teach the people of that which the incarnate Christ, the substance, should come and do and perform. Hebrews 9, again, verse 14, says that the blood of Christ purges the conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so here the people consented 
to serve the living God as those set apart by figures of heavenly things, even by the sprinkling of the blood of an oxen, which were to draw up the believing mind to faith in Christ, in God's mediator. They were to understand that they stood in the covenant by grace through faith and that unto good works to serve the living God, of which that blood, that blood of oxen, was just a figure. It is then said that Moses rose up early in the morning in verse 4, conveying his diligence and earnestness in the things of God. He builds an altar under the hill, that is the base of Mount Sinai, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. He then sends in verse 5 young men of the children of Israel to offer burnt and peace offerings unto the Lord. And you may recall that the Levitical priesthood had not yet received sanction. Uh, And so in accord with previous practice, it may be that the firstborn of the families are the ones in charge of sacrificing. And here, there are two kinds of offerings. You have the burnt offering, which we learn in Leviticus 1. These animals were offered, and they're wholly to be burnt, right? Even overnight. And secondly, you have the peace offering, which we learn in Leviticus 7, that these animals offered were partly to be sacrificed, But part of it, and a good portion of it, was to be consecrated as a meal for those parties engaged to enjoy together. And so from these sacrifices, in verse 6, Moses takes the blood and he sprinkles half upon the altar with the book, as we learn in Hebrews 9.19. This representing the Lord as party in the covenant. Then upon the people's consent to the reading and words of the book, he sprinkles the people as part of the whole, joining the two parties in covenant together, the Lord and Israel. Notice here the place of the word in this ceremony and worship. It is central, right? And even today, it still remains central to our worship, informing all other actions and motions in worship. From here, Moses and the assembly moved towards Mount Sinai. And it is said in verse 10 that they saw the God of Israel. Well, what did they see? Well, right, explicitly and entirely, it doesn't really tell us. However, it can be safely said that they saw some measure of glory, some token of his presence. And if you compare to what some of the other prophets have seen, like Isaiah, Ezekiel, or even the Apostle John, it can be said with some confidence that they saw our Lord Jesus Christ that day. How far, right, if you think of this, how far is this conception from viewing this covenant that they're entering into as a covenant of works, when they're there beholding the glory of Jesus Christ at the base of Mount Sinai. It says in verse 10, there was under his feet, this is in their vision, as it were a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were the body of heaven in his clearness. The floor, if we may call it that, right, was of sapphire, but had the look and color of heaven, in its clarity. Now, sapphire, right, is a stone of great value and is here understood by many to have various significations to which a few can be mentioned, right? Some understand sapphire here to be an emblem of liberty by way of contrast to the pavement of bricks in Egypt, which they, the Israelites, had come from in bondage. Sapphire is also understood here as to refer to purity or solidity, cheerfulness, as in Lamentations 4.7, and glory in Song of Solomon. And this corresponds with what follows. We're told specifically that the Lord did not dampen the experience for the nobles of the children of Israel by laying not his hand upon them, to use that uh, phrase. They too saw God. 
They did not faint and quake, right, and, and pass out. But what they did eat and drink, it says. The Lord caused them to be strengthened, to partake in this covenant meal of acceptance and fellowship by sacrifice. All before the Lord together, he is their God and them as his people communing before him. And it is this to which today we're invited to do. When we come to the Lord's table, right? Not to fear and quake with dread, but with the holy joy and gladness, partaking of the goodness of God's provision for his people in Christ and in his covenant. So in chapter uh, 24, verse 12, at this point, Moses is called up to go alone as previously arranged to deliver to him tables of stone and a law and commandments, which the Lord says, I have written. Moses had previously written the words of the Lord into a book of the covenant, but now the Lord would deliver writing performed directly by himself on tables of stone to be had as a monument of his covenant and summary of doctrine, as Calvin would say, among the people. It is in verse 13, we have a sudden here that Joshua is ministered to Moses and attending upon him in verse 14. Uh, and it's suggested as though he's to go some way with him, though not all the way. And here we can even see the Lord's preparation of Joshua for the leadership that he's to have in later times once Moses is no longer on the earth. Moses provides in verse 14 a pro for a process, for a procedure, right, to address problems while he's away, uh, so that it doesn't become mayhem and chaos. And Aaron and her are to preside over this assembly. Moses then proceeds to go up to Mount Sinai where a cloud right, then is said to cover for six days. And not until the seventh is the Lord said to call unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And there we witness the patience of Moses waiting upon the Lord. The side of the mountain is said to appear as a devouring fire to the children of Israel on the top of the mount. Notice this spectrum, right? This contrast. Certain verses earlier, the elders and officers with Moses beheld the sapphire vision of Christ, our Lord. They're accepted, they're cheerful, glorious, strengthened, communing right before him in food and drink. And now here's this vision while Moses is away on the top of Mount Sinai. A devouring fire can be seen by the eyes of the children of Israel. A devouring fire which Moses must enter. And it appears God here would show us. And show the people that they must have and apply themselves to God's mediator. They will be judged apart from this mediator as a devouring fire, right? By his law and they'll be consumed. And it is a mediator we must apply ourselves to, right? By which we receive grace, as Hebrews 12 says, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. The chapter then closes with Moses being said to have been in the mount for 40 days and 40 nights. And that concludes our time in Exodus chapter 24.